You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers with Saya, Anissa and Boromir. Welcome to our inaugural episode of The Wild Yak. And what is a wild yak, you may ask? Well, it's not a long yak and it's not a spoiled yak. It is the yak in the back. The yak that will ride for occasional experimental forays and or some shorter form episodes on a topic or a show that falls outside of our headline yaks. And so, this wild yak is a bursting little squee about the ending of Navalera, by me, to my captive audience, Anissa and Boromir, concluding what I began in our episode 98 long yak, which you can go listen to if you missed it. We also have the after show minisodes you can listen to on Patreon, and don't forget all our Patreon content is now available to every patron at any tier. Thank you for supporting us and thus giving us the room to do these funny experiments. Go on over to patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers and see what's new. Okay, I'd better not make the intro longer than the yak, so jump on and let's yak Navalera. I've basically been working my way through my pre-Ramadan watch list, so I'm slowly finishing stuff, which is why I haven't started new stuff. But I just finished this yesterday, and you know, in the middle, I kind of lost a bit of momentum on watching this. There was that point, this is a spoiler for anyone who hasn't watched it, so uh, skip ahead like a minute or so. You guys said you already came across the spoilers, so I'm guessing you know what happens to Haraboji. Yes, I've, I've heard of that spoiler, right. yeah. Yeah. So he has, it turns out that he has Alzheimer's and that particular storyline had sort of just kicked in as I paused for Ramadan. And so that made me hesitate to go back to it because I don't love angst and pain is hard. And can we just have Harabuji happily doing ballet? Uh, Doesn't happen in exactly the way that I anticipated So it turns out that this drama is not exactly a ballet drama, although ballet is the language of the drama, I feel, but it's not the message. And I watched the last episode yesterday and, I mean, suffice it to say, much tissue was needed. It was, yeah, I'm, you know, sometimes you're just watching like deeply emotional things and you're like totally dry eyed. And sometimes you're like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel like I should be crying, but I'm not. And then, (laughs) and then Navalera. Um, And then other times you're just like sobbing. Oh yeah, over nothing. And you're like, it was one word. Why are you crying? And then, (laughs) yeah. And then you start like, looking at your calendar and being like hmm should I be hormonal now I don't know anyway um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's always that aspect also yeah um so I don't know I think what really struck me about this is like how a family deals with sickness and um oh I don't think I can watch this this is gonna be too (sighs) triggering for me I I wish you all the joy in watching it I I can't it it doesn't really the Drama doesn't focus heavily on that until the very, very end. And then it, again, it doesn't focus on the illness itself. It focuses on the relationships between them. Because, you know, they're a a family with like uh, three adult kids and the son-in-law. So it's basically like four adult kids. And they're all, they've grown up in, you know, specific and different ways. Like the oldest son, um, Song-san, he starts off as this very unlikable character and you're just like relax dad and he's he's uh you know is it Jung Jisoo? Oh no's dad is 
is this character. He, uh, I don't remember the actor's name, but Uno. Uno is the girl who, so she's the granddaughter of Harabuji. And she's also friends with Songgang's character, who is called Cherok, who is the ballet instructor for uh, Harabuji. And so what it really does is it sort of goes deeply into their relationships with each other. And like the ballet, the whole question of ballet is like, it's a way for them to examine their relationships with each other. And like ballet is the thing that Harabuji wants to do. Like it's his dream. And so he has to contend with everything that everyone thinks about him when he does it so it becomes this point of conflict for everyone so it's not mm -hmm. ballet itself it's you know why is Harabuji stepping out of his prescribed role and the things that society expects of him the things that convention expects of a 70 year old man and how he should be moving in the world and mm. like Harabuji himself has to confront all of these ideas and give himself permission to do things um I think I said before or maybe I didn't say before but I've certainly written it somewhere in my notes that he's he doesn't ask them for permission to do it but in a way he still has to receive it if that mm. makes sense yeah I guess it's also a commentary on like how the role reversal happens between yes. parents and children yeah. when they get past a certain age and like they they have to lose their health in a lot of ways and like their physical strength but then they also lose their freedom mm -hmm. Because they're they're now being told what to do by like the kids that they yeah. literally raised. Yeah, <laughs> it's like not always the nice feeling, I'm sure. And yet the show does something so beautiful with this. So like you've got um you know the family reacting to their father's sickness, and you know that was like it was so real. Like you know the crisis, the helplessness, the marshalling of your human resources between the siblings and you know all the things that you need to do and vying to be the most sacrificial so there's like it was very real um yeah and like with the eldest son's arc how he has to allow himself to become a child again to his dad as well because they've got this his arc so far is that he's been the sort of adultified child not parentified adultified and that was something he did to himself because he like how he has this uptight and controlling personality and that came from a childhood of like adultification and so he took like that as a, a way that he approached his life but then there's this sort of reversal for him too, because he's now a parent himself. But he's also, like, he has to allow himself to be his father's son, which you get the sense that he hasn't allowed himself to for so mm. long. And so there's a certain, um, like, catharsis perhaps in that. Or maybe healing. Healing, yeah. That would be mm. more appropriate. Uh, but also it sort of quietly explored these slightly more complex ideas, like how childhood poverty shapes you in your adult life. I think that came out a lot in that character. Um, and the second child uh, in this family is a daughter. And like through her character, they very quietly introduced this, like the grief of childlessness, which I believe I've talked to you guys about like off air but she's like in her 40s and she's been trying to have a child and like very little of this is explicit you sort of just pick it up in like almost I mean like it's such a wordless thing to the extent that they they say almost nothing about it yet you completely understand what's happening and there's this amazing scene 
um, I probably shouldn't spoil it for you, but there's this really beautiful scene between her and her dad where, do you want me to spoil it for you? Mm, no, I don't think so because okay. I'm, I'm, I'm like halfway in and I still want to finish it if I can. Okay, then I won't. But I'm planning to write a review on this because basically my notes turned into a review. Um, so <laughs> so th- there's this amazing scene. Yay, excited to read it. It will spoil it, though. (laughs) That is fine. Well, I mean... (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) So there's that. And then you have, like, the the Magne, the youngest son, who he used to be a doctor, and then something happened. Like, he, I think somebody died while he was operating on them, and that traumatized him. And so he left medicine for a long time, and so he's sort of been roving around and trying to find purpose. And then, like, he wants to shoot a documentary. And in the course of this search of the perfect subject he actually realizes that his dad is the perfect subject and so it becomes a way for him to spend that time with him and just all of these moments are done so wonderfully like they're not saccharine they're not trite they don't come off in a preachy way they just feel like very real moments between uh, a father and their child an aging couple you know the husband and the wife Uh, and then after all of that you have the relationship between Cherok, uh, the character played by Songgang, and Haraboji uh, as the, the young teacher and the older student. And, uh, you know, one of the things I love that this drama has done is that it gives all of these lovers moments to Haraboji and Cherok. You have, like, the first snow and they're experiencing it together. They're, like, they're standing there watching the first snow and, like, you know, Haraboji's like, oh, look, it's snowing. Um, you have the airport scene. You just have so many of these, like... Um, you know, they're prescribed lovers moments and they get given to Haraboji and Cherok. And it's just, <laughs> oh, I love it so much because, you know, like love is not something that always fits into the romantic mold. And yet mm-hmm. the the love that we tend to explore the most in TV is, is romantic love. But oh, just giving those moments to, to them in that because their relationship is so, oh, it's just so good. Like, he's this fatherless boy, and uh, Haraboji is this, like, lost boy slash dad slash granddad. Like, there's just, they're bringing, they're both bringing so much to that relationship. And it's also a show full of reconciliations because there are so many more relationships. Like, the Kim Tae-hun's uh, character, there are these two ballet teachers who are, like, Songgang's teachers. And they uh, used to be a married couple. They're now divorced. Uh, so, um... Kim Toon's ex-wife is played by uh, Yoon Ji-hye, who uh, plays an instructor called uh, Unsori. And there's this whole sort of secondary arc in the show of their relationship and how, like, they broke up, but he, like, Kim Toon never really understood what happened. But through observing the relationship between Haraboji and Cherok, he comes to understand himself. And so all of these relationships, like, reveal people to each other. And, yeah. The show is about relationships and reconciliation and and the love that people have between each other. Mm. It's a very beautiful show. Sounds like my unfamiliar family, which you would also love. <laughs> I had a feeling you would say that. Which also has Kim Toon, right? Kim yeah. Toon getting divorced. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kim Toon is one of those actors who's like when he like I first met him as a villain and he's such a convincing and terrifying villain but then you meet him as a teddy bear and you're like there's no one better than him he's so nice he can do anything yeah he's a great character actor he really is hello hi it's future saya here 
I should say that I actually didn't write that review up, partly because I got kidnapped by... well, actually that's a long story for another day. Though I can tell you it involves Pakshine, YouTube, a helicopter, a manhole, lots of really unnecessarily tall men, and a claw machine. Make of that what you will. <laughs> what I'm actually here to tell you is how you can find us. On the Twitters, we are at Dramas Overflow, and I personally can be found, though not very often, at NotNowSire. Our Instagram is dramasoverflowers underscore, and you can find us on Facebook by searching Dramas Over Flowers. Our website, with all our various writings and some fantastic new guest contributions, lives at dramasoverflowers.net. You can do our favourite thing and email us too, at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. We love hearing your thoughts. We also reply to them. So don't delay, email today! <laughs> okay, I know that was bad. I'll stop. <laughs> Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. That's it. Thank you for listening and until next time. Bye. Bye.